from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Perspective is a radio program presenting biographical interviews of people who have chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life. Today, I'm playing a telephone interview with Josephine Javier Johnson. Josephine grew up Catholic in the Philippines. After college, she moved to the U.S. and began her nine-year search for truth. She describes this journey in the interview. Initially, you hear a fan humming in the background. We eventually realize that it's from her computer, and she comes through much better. I started the interview by asking Josephine to describe where she grew up. I grew up in the Philippines. The Philippines, uh, basically, the population um, are devout Catholic, and then part of uh, the north, I think the the north uh, and part of the south, and then um, basically on... The southern part are Muslim. Basically, the Filipinos are are um, Catholics. Mm-hmm. So my parents are um, devout Catholic Catholics, and so I grew up learning, you know, about Christ, about the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. You know, knowing that. What about the Muslim part? Um, the Muslim part, I was not uh, really aware of it until I moved to United States. So were you aware that was, there was a, a Muslim population in the Philippines? To be honest with you, I did not really um, know that till I got older enough. Because um, basically my spirituality started when I was very young. I'm always curious why we are here, and i always wondering why we could think. Why is it that there are people, you know, around me? And at the age of six, I was alone um, walking around, and I found a meadow, and I saw all these beautiful flowers, and i always wondering why is it that there's so many beautiful flowers, and I and then it come about the thinking that oh, because God had put me here, and all the people, my parents, my brothers and sisters, they are put here for me, mm-hmm. and that's what my way of thinking. And ever since I questioning um, who is God and where is He, you know, and then um, when I become adolescent. Um, we they sent us to um, they call it the catechism school, and so that's where they taught us who is Jesus Christ, um, and then uh, teaching us that Jesus Christ was also God because he he came from God, which is the, from the Spirit, and then become the Son when he came over. Then when he went to heaven, he was also God. Then when uh, I went to college and learned the theology, then everything gets so confusing. 
because now I'm using my mind and and questioning things like, wait a minute, God is very, very intelligent. Why is it he wrote the Bible or the Bible story is so complicated that uh, Jesus, um, on the um, when he was about to be arrested and praying, he was praying to the Father, and he always saying, my Father, my Father, even when he was teaching. And those are the things that I was questioning for a long time, because I said, there's something uh, missing, and I got to find out. So at the age of um, maturity, after I graduated uh, to, you know, uh, college in the Philippines, and then I moved to United States, my grandma um, was the one who petitioned me. And then it was become totally, totally obscure. There's some, something that happened that I totally got so confused that I started questioning a lot of stuff. And um, what happened, I started searching for nine years. I was in San Diego for nine years. The first question I have is that, why is it there's so many religions? Why, if we came from one God, then why there's so many religions that they're saying we are the right one? Uh, the first three years, I focus on Christianity. Um, I joined the Jehovah Witness, uh, studying. You know, I, I just study with them and trying to figure out where really this real religion is, where I belong. Um, my friends on Jehovah Witnesses, they're kind people, uh, very, very gracious, very, very respectful. And for three years, I study with them, and I even go to their temple the time that were, they were saying, you're ready now, you need to uh, declare or be baptized, then for some reason I couldn't do it. There's something that they have, um, I would say, there was one thing that threw me off that I, it just not me, because when they started saying that, I cannot associate with, uh, when, once I become baptized, and become Jehovah Witnesses, I cannot associate with others, uh, like the family members, uh, because they're devil or something like that. And they truly focusing on the devil. And, and on my mind, I said, God is a very powerful God that we shouldn't be afraid of something else that's made by God. Because at, at that time, I still believe that, you know, the, the Catholic teaching about the Antichrist and things like that. And then uh, part of me uh, debating that. So I kind of stay away. You know, I said I have already learned what I have learned from you guys. Then I need to move on because I couldn't. I just couldn't be baptized. So then I have a friend who she become a Mormon, and she invited me to go to the Mormons to study with them. They gave me another set of Bible, kind of. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Why is it that I, I have to focus on the past? I want something that, 
give me a concrete answer. I don't want to uh, clutter my mind anymore of what had happened. I want that connection. All I want is that connection to my spirituality, to God, and lead me to find Him. And where, what is my purpose here? <laughs> so um, I, I was with them for only a few weeks, and then um, I have found someone has given me the, the Book of Buddha. Then that started my fascination. You know, I was so fascinated about Buddha's teaching that I compare it to the Bible, and then um, it says there that Buddha also was talking about the second coming. And then I go, okay, then what is the, you know, is it Buddha is the one, you know, is he, is he the one that uh, become the second coming? And then I, when I thoroughly um, read the Buddha's teaching, I have found out that the nirvana or the enlightenment is finding or accepting, you know, as a human being. We have to accept that we're going to die, or that we're going to get old, that we're going to uh, get sick. And this is the reality of being human. And then the connection with that enlightenment that he's finding is just the the truth about being human. And then I said, okay, then that, that's about humanity. The teaching of Buddha is just teaching us as human beings the acceptance of us, what is our reality. Because I was keep on searching, and I met someone that does yoga. And then I go, okay, let me try, you know, yoga. And yoga is aligning your body so that um, you could think well, so that you become healthier. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that correct the, you know, the organ because it's interconnected. And then after a few years, I still couldn't find what I'm looking for, the answer to all the questions that I have it has never been answered really until um, I said, I'm, I think I'm focusing more on the, hum, the human uh, perspective. Why don't I uh, find something beyond this? And then I read some of the teaching of, or a quote from the Quran about Allah. And it says, Allah, you know, the thousand names of Allah. And then I go, oh, my God, this is wonderful. I said, I'll be able to find out uh, the different names. Probably this is, has become a why there is religion. We got all separated because can you believe 1,000 names of God? <laughs> so I read the Quran. <laughs> and then I have found out the, the Quran itself is just telling us, who is God? There's a lot of things that the Muslim have done um, over the years because we have to remember now that during those years, it's a survival. 
they have to kill in order to survive. It, but it doesn't mean that they're very bad people. They just want to be able to survive. In fact, um, the Muhammad doesn't want any killings at all. But I, there's a lot of uh, things that it says there about God that, you know, and really, really want to be able to get connected. I also top on Hinduism. Why is it that there's a statue, you know, a different statue, and, you know, it, it explains why there's so many hands. And, and then also on Christianity, um, I, went, I keep on going back why there's a Roman Catholic. I, basically, I study the history and finding out that the Roman Catholic came by when Constantine decided that if he merged the religion and state, everybody will, will only have one religion because, you know, he thinks that, okay, the state um, will guide the people. But come to find out, Constantine's mom is a Greek lady or a Greek woman, and that's why there's so many statues because of being... Um, you know, goddess, the Greek mythologies, and, and that's how it become the Roman Catholic. That's why the Roman Catholic has so many images that they, they have to uh, follow, you know, like the Virgin Mary. In fact, I used to pray, uh, and I thought the Virgin Mary is the one that needs to pray to instead of directly to God because uh, she's the mediator. That's what they're saying. Then when I found out, that the Greek mythology and stuff, what they do, and, you know, all this goddess that they have. And that is, I understood now, I said, oh, my God, that's how it became the Roman, you know, the Christianity, the Roman Catholic. And then, and then I also have read different kind of, like, Luther, how, the, how it become Luther separate from the, the Catholicism, then the Protestant, then um, I getting get a clue on what what was had happened, okay? But then after nine years of searching, even though I have the background, I have read the Bible, the Quran, is still empty. Uh, there is something in me that's so so empty that I couldn't um, feel I belong to any of it because now I said now I'm by myself. I, I have all this knowledge, but I couldn't connect what it is. So after nine years um, in San Diego, I have decided that there's three things. I, I was turning 30, and I decided that I need, really need to find that spirituality. And then I also need to find myself because I don't know what's my purpose. I'm 30 years old. I'm single. I really lost. And so I said, there's three things that I need to do. I need, before I turn 30, I would like to be able to find that connection to God. Second of all, I need to find me, what I really want to do, because I said, I could do anything I could focus on. That's, that's the fact that I know. But I need to know what it is. And then third of all, because I said since um, 
I'm getting older. I need to raise a family. I need to find me a husband. And guess what? <laughs> There's one day I was walking at the mission day, and it dawned on me that where can I find God? It's in paradise. Where is paradise? It's in Hawaii. <laughs> so what happened? Um, I packed that summer of uh, 1992. I packed everything. I sold everything I got and moved to Hawaii. <laughs> I quit my job. I was working at Scripps Memorial Hospital, and I quit my job to find that spirituality. So anyhow, I flew over and, um, you know, starting to learn the islands, different islands, I, I, island hopping, I'm wondering why, where am I going to settle down, which island, and da da da. But I was in Lanikai, Kailua, the first uh, place where I found to stay. And then I moved around, then I moved to Makaha. There's a beautiful, um, a friend of mine has a beautiful rest house in Makaha. Then, um, as I was, you know, island hopping and learning different islands, then it come to the point after three months that I need to find a job because I cannot go on living like a a millionaire. I need a job. So anyhow, um, the day it was July twenty second, I decided to go to downtown Honolulu and submit my resume to one of the private hospital. I couldn't remember now the name. On the way back to Makaha, a lady, I was on H1 freeway, when the lady cut me off. Okay, I rented a car. You have, this is very important because the car that I was, I, I rented a car from budget. And since I'm trying to, um, you know, um, not to have more expenditure, I didn't buy the insurance. So the that Camry, the Toyota Camry, the when that lady cut me off, it started to spun. I hit the center divider, faced the traffic, and I collided with another car. I ruined my neck. Then when the ambulance, it was it took a while before because the car was total. I don't know how did I manage to survive there, but. I did. As they were cutting that, you know, they trying to get me out, so they were, I, I'm just, right now I'm hearing this noise where when they're cutting because I will pass out and I will wake up, pass out. And then um, there was a moment I woke up and I saw a bridge and there was a police and a lady in there. So anyhow, they, I, they took me to Queen's, hospital where they treated me, and then everything was just, I don't know what happened. It was just like I totally lost me. It's just like, what happened, you know? I have a good job in San Diego. I have everything that's going for me other than that spirituality and finding me uh, now I'm in the big mess because 
the budget rent a car, the, 30, the charging me 35 grand. The Queen's Hospital was charging me for my stay and treatment and everything. The, the ambulance, the police, da, 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 they're all packing my bills, <laughs> including those people that I collided with. And I was devastated. I really was on the state of shock. When I got out of that hospital, because I have no family there, I'm by myself. I went back to the place, which is in Kailua, where I used to do meditation and pray, and, and then I do exercise. It was very, you know, health conscious. So I, pray, I always pray, walk, pray there. So when I get out from that hospital, I went and rode a bus to go to Kailua. And there, I was just walking around. Literally, I'm out of my mind. I just, I couldn't decipher what has happened to me. I, I, I mean, it just, uh, this is the lowest, lowest moment. <laughs> and, and I thought, I thought in that, in that beautiful, beautiful oceans, I, I could have killed myself. But then, when I was praying, I remember Job. I don't know if you're familiar with Job. Why don't you explain? He is one of the person in the Bible that the devil have challenged God that if he takes away everything, that Job, he will totally reject God and cast him and do everything. But you know what? I have this faith. I have a very strong faith because I think he has led me to have a good life. You know, I was blessed with having brothers and sisters and my mom and dad, you know, and I said, and, and my grandma took me to United States, and there's a lot of good things um, happening to me. And I said, it's only my faith. And so what happened was I made a pack, and I said, you know what? I said, you're always there for me. And I know in this lowest moment, you will help me again. And I said, all I want is to find you. Just give me a reason to find you. Anyhow, I was walking around. So I, when I did that pack, I said, okay, you will help me, and um, I will get out of this mess, and you will heal me. And so it was getting dark, and I have to go back to Makaha. And so I, I need to go to the bus station. And the, in the way, on the way to the bus station, because I have nobody to talk to, I said, you know what? There's a police station here. Probably if I tell them my story, they'll be able to give me a legal advice on what to do with my kid, you know, what had happened to me. So I went in there, and there was the two Kailua police. Um, they're Hawaiian. I told him my story. <laughs> what had happened to me? Uh, the accident, I mean. And then, oh my God, they were so, so mad because they said, 
you know, why are you walking around Kailua? It's going to get dark. You're a young, beautiful <laughs> girl walking around. You could be raped here. And I go, oh, my God, this is not what I want you hear. And then so I gather my, my bag and, and I go, okay, I, I'm going to leave now. They didn't, you know, but one of the guys said, Josephine, why don't you go back to San Diego? So I was so scared, right? So I stepped out of that Kailua police station. And then in my heart, I said, you know what? My family is in San Diego. That's a very good advice. I will go back to San Diego. So outside the police station, there was a public telephone booth. And for the life of me, I just keep dialing. And then the, the lady answered the phone. She says, how do you get this number? <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to um, find a travel agent, and I thought this is the number. And then she said, well, yeah, uh, I am, you know, I'm a um, travel agent, but this is my house number. And I am sick right now. That's why, um, you know, I didn't go to work, she said. And I go, okay. Uh, and then I started crying, of course. And then she uh, asked me, you know, what had happened, and I told her. And then she said, where are you? And I said, I'm here in Kailua. And then she said, you know, Josephine, I live in Kailua. I said, where about in Kailua are you? And I said, I'm here at the police station. And then she said, Josephine, stay foot. I will pick you up. I said, okay. <laughs> she said, um... You could stay with me. On the phone, she told me I could stay with her. She said, my, my daughter is in a big island on a youth conference, so you could stay in her room. So on the way there, she's uh, trying to tell me, um, you know, just you know, who she is and da-da-da-da. She has two children. Her name is Susie, Susie Bryson. And, and then... And then she said, tomorrow I'll take you to my attorney. And I will try to help you as much as I can. And so on the way, her she has a travel agency. She also have, um, on the compound of her house, she has a bed and breakfast. She also have a three bedrooms or four bedrooms apartment. And so on the driveway... There was a gentleman who was renting um, one of the apartments. And that gentleman, I have to give you this now, that gentleman became my husband. But anyhow, she took me inside the house and she told me, go upstairs because there's lots of books. And of course, she showed me her daughter's room. And then she said, just be very comfortable. And, and then uh, tomorrow we go to the to my attorney. And so upstairs she has bunch it's just like a library, bunch of books. And all I want is to have a peace of mind and make myself very very busy and I love to read. 
because that's what I do my research, you know, searching and searching. I love to to find anything at that moment. All I want is to find that comfort, some a book, something that will give me that peace of mind. I was going through the book, and then I opened one, and I found this pamphlet. It was only two, you know, it's a very small, it's a, it folds only one. And then the front of the pamphlet, it has the sun. It's a very simple drawing. It has the sun, and then uh, from the ra- inside of that drawing of the sun, it says God. And then the rays of the sun is all the religion that I studied. And then down below, it says Baha'i Faith. And then I was just shaking. And then I, when, I, when I open it, it has all the principles, like there's only one religion. Education is number one. I'm paraphrasing now, okay? Mm-hmm. But um, it says education should be the number one priority, something like that. And then it's also a man and woman ha- have to be equal. And I, and I go to myself, these are the principle that I'm looking for. All through my uh, studying for nine years, and even when I was young, uh, these are the things that I'm looking for. And so um, I was shaking and I got so scared because um, in me at that time, the teaching of the Catholicism about the Antichrist. And I go, oh my God, I'm on the strange house. And this lady is so, so kind enough to accept me. She doesn't know me and then accepted me. And I said, what is going on here? So I went downstairs and I asked her, see, what is this? What is the Baha'i faith? And then she said, oh, Josephine, I forgot to tell you, we're Baha'i. And I go, what is the Baha'i? And then she gave me this book, and it's called Some Answered Questions. And that night, <laughs> I have read that. And I can't believe the more in the morning, all the things that I've been questioning was in that book, the answer. And then I go, oh, my God, this is it. I said, then I keep on asking her to give me more books to read. But anyhow... To make the story short, so we went the following day. We went to the attorney, and then he told me that he's going to study my case, or if I have a, even a case. And then uh, he said, "I'll call you in a week." So I said, "Oh my God! I only have a week. I could only stay with her, you know, for for two weeks or so." So I said, "It's okay. I know God will get me out of this mess." Because I started feeling good about myself that, you know what, I'm still alive and I know that what's my problem is just material. If I have to work all through my lifetime to pay whatever I, whoever I owe, then it's fine. I'm still alive. So the following day, the attorney's secretary called me and she said, Josephine, 
it's very urgent that Attorney Bauer have to see you. And you know what? At that time, I'm ready. I said, you know what? Whatever he's going to say to me, fine. I I will accept it. Uh, I don't know how, but I will. Then he told me that I have a case, and it's in my favor because during that day on at the H1 freeway, a lady was behind me, and she saw the whole entire accident. And what she did, she followed that lady that cut me off because it's, it's kind of like hit and run. She didn't stop when I was, you know. So she followed that lady all to her house, got the registration number, went back to the scene of the accident because at that time, remember I was telling you when, when they're uh, cutting the car to remove me, I saw the, a lady and the police. So the attorney told me in the state of Hawaii, when you got in an, into accident and it's not your fault, which is not my fault, the state help you. So the budget rental car was the one, their, their adjuster. They clear the car, the 35000 They pay for all the medical, ambulance, whatnot. They pay for those people that I collided with. They treated them and pay for everything. And they told me I need to um, find a specialist for my neck. Like I said, the accident happened July. I declare myself Baha'i November. I become a Baha'i. And I never been so content in my life because now, from then on, all I did was move forward. There's so many things, you know, that I've been through. It's not very, it's not perfect, but I went through it. I survived. I don't owe anybody. I, you know, it was the most beautiful thing. Uh, the feeling of knowing that. When you're at the lowest, lowest moment, when you have faith, that truly could move mountain. No matter what it is, you will be able to survive because you have God in you. That's the start. I become a Baha'i. And I couldn't been so content on my spirituality. I become, I think... I even become a better person because of the knowledge that the Baha'i teaching have given us. Josephine goes into her discovery of the Virtues Project, founded by Linda Cavillan Popoff and her husband, Dr. Dan Popoff, and her brother, John Cavillan. They produce materials to assist educators to teach virtues to students. She mentions Bosch, which is a Baha'i conference center in Santa Cruz. Uh, even the virtues, I didn't find the virtues project until 2006 when I work at the school and I don't know how to relate to all those high school students. And I thought, you know, here we go again. I'm in this hard time trying to be on this job and really know how to help these young teenagers. 
I don't know what to say to them. And then uh, here we go again. I went to Santa Cruz to Bosch, and that's where I I found the Virtues Project. And the moment I found the uh, Virtues book, I knew it. I knew this is the one that will help me through to my job and to helping others. And so I called uh, Linda Popov and Dan. And that night, um, I was asked questioning them how to get hold of them. I really need for them to affirm that this is the, you know, the, the one that I need in order to teach the children aside from the Baha'i because I found out that they're Baha'i as well. You're referring to the founders of the Virtues Project. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, uh, Dan told me that they're going to have a global mentorship in Australia. I went to Bosch March, and then they told me July is the global mentorship in Australia. And I went to Australia and met Dan and Linda Popov. And that's uh, how I started uh, on Facebook, The Virtues. If you see my, my Facebook, it's full of virtues and also uh, the writings. I have been posting the Baha'i teaching, the writings and stuff. I align everything for, you know, the everyday situation um, regarding virtues in, in us. I, I truly believe that each and every one of us have that light in us, in our heart, and all we have to do is open it. Try to go inside your heart and find that goodness in you. And everybody has it. All they have to do is tap into it, and they'll find that beautiful, beautiful spirit that's in them that will be able to have them cope with any problem, with anything that they will ask. I always keep in mind the teaching in the Bible that says, if you seek, you will find. If you ask, it will be given to you. And if you knock, it will be open. And that's how it is for me. Well, certainly your life exemplifies that a great deal, I can see. So how long have you been a Baha'i? 18, 19 years now. I found my, the three goals. My spirituality, I found myself because I married a husband that I'm married now for 17 years. He moved me here from Hawaii to Reno, Nevada because my husband found a job here. And we've been here since 1994. Mm-hmm. I got into an accident in 1993. Are you Filipino by ethnicity? Yes. You said you moved to the United States at what age? I was 23. And why was it that you moved to the United States? My grandma was the one who took me here. And why did your grandma move to the United States? Because my uncle, um, my uncle is the Navy, so um, I got petitioned, and then they petitioned, you know, it's just like a 
reputation, family members and stuff. So your grandma took you so you'd have uh, opportunities here in the United States? Yeah, yeah uh, basically, yes. Yeah. That was uh, you know, a, a good um, opportunity here in the United States. Was there any adjustment that you had to make coming from the Philippines to living in the United States at first? Um, you know what, Sudi? Like I said, it's um, I didn't have much a hard hardship because I'm um, I'm very self sufficient. When I first moved here, I mean, in here in United States in San Diego, I went to school because um, I have. Um, bachelor degree in commerce, which is like accounting and stuff. And, and so it's, it's just like a business degree because my dad has a business in the Philippines. We, he was a contractor uh, in Shell, Philippines, and we uh, do maintenance and stuff. And he was also um, the one who invented the dual fuel. That was the contract we had. Uh, in Shell Philippines at that time when I left is that uh, to convert gasoline to LPG. So all their, um, let's say, one of our contract or project was all the catering trucks in the airport, the Philippines airport. My dad is truly a jack of all trades, and I think <laughs> I got all the, his passion on, on electronics. He could fix anything, auto, television, uh, refrigerator. You know, uh, during his, the time that uh, he's retired now that he, um, he was young, he, we have our own business in the Philippines, and I help him run that business. But then um, my grandma took me. What is your family's reaction to you becoming a Baha'i? Oh, you wouldn't believe it, Zuri. When, when I went home um, and I told them I'm Baha'i, my mom and dad are very open-minded, although, like I mentioned before, the teaching of Christianity about that Antichrist is very, very instilled in their mind, that any anything that you try to belong to, you know, they think that you're following Antichrist. So when I was telling them this, uh, one night (laughs) my dad brought three elders in our house from the church because they thought that I'm being misled. So we're having dinner, you know, just like a casual conversation. Then they started asking me things. Basically, I did pretty well because at the end, after all this question about what is the Baha'i, da-da-da-da, and I, uh, I told them what it is, the principles of the Baha'i faith, that there should only be one, you know, number one is there only, should only be one God, that we are, should not be segregated, that education is the number one, that uh, if we started to educate ourselves, then we will open up to a new stage, a level of knowledge that you don't have to be ignorant and be following dogmas and all these rituals and stuff. After I overheard their conversation when they were leaving, they said, Mr. Javier, I want you to know that your daughter is very, very smart. 
I think she will be fine. And I, and I was just like, oh, it's not really smart. It's just I have the faith in me that, you know, the goodness of it. Is, you know, there's nothing bad that I'm doing. And then um, one of the elders told me that her cousin is a Baha'i in one of the province in the Philippines. You see, I didn't even know about the Baha'i faith when I was in the Philippines. Josephine tells the story about being at her uncle's house when she was four years old and seeing a painting of Abdu'l-Baha. Abdu'l-Baha is the son of the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah. Abdu'l-Baha was very faithful to his father, sharing his father's exiles and imprisonment. But there's another thing that I have to mention. When I was four, four or five years old, I had an uncle, a painter. He's a very good painter. He could paint all the, anything about, you know, the Last Supper, the images of Jesus Christ or whatever, the, the God, the Father, um, you know, the one that they created a long time ago. So I remember going, you know, visiting their house, and there's a bunch of artworks, his painting. And one of them, <laughs> you know the uh, picture of Abdu'l-Bahá when he's wearing gray and, and a white turban? You know, he, he always could copy up whatever original painting, okay? Like a, any image, a picture, he could copy and make it like, like a picture, perfect. So when I was young, I remember asking him, I said, who is that? But my uncle is not a Baha'i, okay? He's just an artist being hired by people. So he told me, oh, that is God. Then when I was in Hawaii, when I went to the, the local spiritual assembly, I saw that picture. And I go, I, I knew this picture before, but I couldn't remember. Then, of course, over the years, um, you know, when you recollection about your younger years, yeah, it, I saw Abdu'l-Baha already when I was uh, four, four years old. Because that was the picture I remember. Can you explain who Abdu'l-Baha is? Abdu'l-Baha is the son of Baha'u'llah. Baha'u'llah is the founder of the Baha'i faith. So when you were four years old, you saw this picture of Abdu'l-Baha, probably as an old man, right? Yes, yes. And, and, and as a young girl, in order for me not to question more... He was just telling me that, oh, that is God. And he's painting. He cannot be bothered. <laughs> so to make, uh, to make things simple, he would just, oh, that is God. And on, you know, on my mind, okay, so I don't have to say it anymore or ask question anymore. Josephine, I want to thank you so much for sharing this incredible story with us. Thank you, Siri. It's my pleasure, Siri. Yeah. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Josephine Javier Johnson, a woman who pursued a nine-year search for truth and feels that she has now found her spiritual home. 
For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22UNITE. I hope you join me next time on a Baha'i Perspective. Tell myself, look alive, I will die in you Just chill and relax my mind But my heart can't see through the pain You know I can't see through the rain And the stain on the frame So I look inside and I hear a voice say If you love me, turn away So I turn away from myself I'll stay forever like this Through the night, through the day I learn that better things come my way If I die in him and begin to pray So it's clear with no tears and no fear We don't need to wait around for heaven to appear Cause it's right Inside, so come on, everybody, look alive. Die in me, and that may turn ugly.
In a bombed out room in Belfast A young boy is crying He's alone and he don't understand How the teachings of one book Build on love and understanding The cause of her and killing in his land In an old part of Jerusalem The children are playing And running life the way that it should be But one will wear the star And one will wear the crescent Never will change from friends to enemies But we are one Pakistani village, a young boy on crutches takes a fall and lies helplessly there. And he holds out his hand, but no one will take it. They won't touch him or the clothes that he wears. On a side street in Selma. A black child is sitting in a squat car, protecting from the whites. Cause it burning a cross to send her a message. You can see the fear in her
This world gives me no fear This fire will burn all the darkness away I will give it all for you This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.